Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. Lord, open our lips and our mouths Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
Please respond to the psalm by saying the words in bold print. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard. In the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins, and let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound, and innocent of a great offense. from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the squires, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you, because I have called and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one heeded, and because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you, when panic strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease. 
without dread of disaster. The word of the Lord. Gospel of Mark. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others one of the prophets, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, 
Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of the Lord.
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In preparing this sermon, I want to thank Anthony Sampson, author of Mandela, the Reverend Marianne Edgar Buddy, rector of St. John's Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and first and foremost, my wife Ida, for her love and suffering. Who do you say that I am? We are forever falling into the gap between what we know to be true and our capacity to live according to that truth. We speak, for example, of falling in love, an apt description of the initial stages of intimate relationship, for we dive right in, making promises and commitments, we then spend a lifetime learning to fulfill. Or we decide on a course of study or work, full of enthusiasm at the beginning, only to be humbled by the sacrifices and discipline required to reach our goals. Parents, feeling the depths of unconditional love for their newborn child can never anticipate what love will one day ask of them. Indeed, if any of us knew at the onset of our journeys of love, commitment, or vocation what they would cost, we might not have the courage to begin. Nevertheless, we are led to our faith mostly by intuition, key moments of insight and heightened awareness. A thought occurs to us. A feeling overcomes us. And we know something we didn't know before, just as Peter knew what to say in the instant Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? When the gift of insight comes, it's irrelevant to ask what price will be. In that moment, the more urgent question is, are we willing to live by the truth we have been given? The late and former South African president, Nelson Mandela, wrote of such a gift. A decision that he made as a young man to challenge the headmaster of his school in the face of unjust treatment. The headmaster had tried to force Mandela's compliance 
But Mandela refused, preferring expulsion to submission. At the same time, he rejected a loveless marriage that his stepfather, a tribal leader, had arranged for him. Instead, he fled the countryside where he grew up for the city of Johannesburg, where his life and political resistance began. From the perspective of his prison cell, almost four decades later, he wrote, If I had not defied the headmaster, perhaps I would have been safe from all the storms that have blown me from pillar to post in the past 30 years. And yet, with that decision, my life also opened up to much wider horizons through which I could see the history and culture of my own people as part and parcel of the history and culture of the entire human race. The freedom he sought for himself led him to seek freedom for his people. A journey begun in an act of defiance led him first to jail and then to the presidency. It was a costly journey, far from what he imagined as a young man. Yet, it was unmistakably his destiny. Jesus, at a turning point in his own life, when the implication of his ministry are becoming clear to him, asked his disciples a pertinent question cutting to the heart of discipleship. Who do you say that I am? The crowd no longer matters to Jesus. His focus is now on his closest followers. Peter is the first to speak. You are the Messiah. In a later version of this story, Jesus takes a moment to marvel at Peter's response. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Clearly, Peter has been given a gift. He knows something deep in his being something important about Jesus, and with all his heart, he wants to be faithful to him. The only problem is that he has no idea what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah and for him to be his follower. He thinks he knows, but he doesn't. Perhaps because Jesus knows how little Peter understands, he commands him to be silent as he tries to prepare his disciples for the pain that lies ahead. Peter is incredulous, for there's nothing in his understanding of Messiah that includes the kind of suffering Jesus describes. And there we watch him fall 
painfully right into the gap between his knowledge that Jesus was the Messiah and his ability to grasp what faithfulness to the Messiah would entail. The harshness of Jesus' response to Peter's protest, get behind me, Satan, reveals how much he himself struggled with the question of suffering. It was, as the Gospel of Mark portrays it, Jesus' greatest temptation that he could be the Messiah without suffering. Surely he wanted it to be different. Surely he wanted he himself, as he prayed, for the cup of bitterness to pass by him. But Jesus dared to believe that suffering was what God asked of him. He took his inspiration from the prophets who suffered. Those who didn't hide their faces, as Isaiah wrote, from shame and spitting. And he was uncompromising about what this meant for his disciples. If you want to follow me, he said to them, you must accept your share of suffering too. If you want to be with me, find your cross and carry it. It's not what the disciples wanted to hear any more than you and I want to hear it now. Like them, we may never, never fully understand what it means. I'm not sure that I know. But when I think of the cross of suffering, I think of accepting reality, seeing things as they are, casting off whatever illusions we have that life was meant to be easy. I think, too, of casting off any sense of shame or guilt, no longer assuming that we are doing something wrong when life is hard. It is about learning whatever we need to learn and the gap between what we know and how we live, the chasm between the truths we are given and what it takes to live by them. If escape from suffering was Jesus' great temptation, perhaps ours is the notion that we can live into the great insights we are given without difficulty or failure. Letting go of such notions is the first step in learning faithfulness and love. Here is why this weather journey begins in earnest. When Peter painstakingly learns what it means to follow Jesus down the road of his suffering, here the journey begins when married and committed couples realize that they have no idea what it means to love each other when we must accept mistakes and failures as part of our life's work 
when even the bonds of parental affections are tested to the core. Here we face the hard truth that for all our desire to be faithful to our convictions, insights, and core values, we can. We fail as Peter failed, not for lack of intentional effort, but because we are incapable of making the leap from our intuition to fulfillment without stumbling. Part of what it means to carry our cross is learning to live with awareness of our failings and that gap between what we know and how we live. It would be easy to give up, either by rejecting the truths we failed to live up to or by despairing about ourselves and our inadequacies. Yet, when we are given great truths, I am certain that God expects us, like Peter, to fail. The chasm we fall into between our sights and actions is therefore necessary to reign, part of the burden we bear for being humans. Jesus invites us there in the tension between possibility and failure to learn as he did that God remains faithful to all our struggles. For in that place of struggle, we gain self-knowledge, the capacity to see ourselves in all our strengths and weaknesses, passions and contradictions. We learn there to forgive ourselves and others for being human. In that place, we discover what it feels like to rely not on ourselves alone, but on the grace and mercy of God. When Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa after nearly three decades in prison, he was admired throughout the world both by his for his clarity of vision, his willingness to speak out against the social evil of apartheid, and for his capacity to forgive former enemies. Forgiveness, he often said, was a result of self-knowledge an acute awareness of his own failures and contradictions. He also learned through his long years of struggle and imprisonment that grace can flow in and through human imperfection. Fifty years after being expelled from his boarding school and set on the course that would lead him through much hardship and pain, now President Mandela invited his classmates and former teachers to a reunion. I am what I am, he told them, as a result of my own strengths and failings. I am who I am, both as a result of people who respected me and helped me, and those who did not respect me and treated me better. We, you and I, have less to fear in suffering when we know that redemption lies on the other side. We have less to dread about being wrong 
when we know that making mistakes is part of the learning process. We regret our failures less when we re realize how much we have grown through them. With Peter as an example, we know that failure is part of faithfulness. As we walk through the valley between what we know is true and capacity to live true. Christ, forgive our imperfections. Lead us towards our truest selves and help us accept and carry the cross of our humanity. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Show us your mercy, O Lord. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world. Lord, keep this nation under your care. Let your way be known upon earth. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten. Create in us clean hearts, O God. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever, 
Amen. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you that the week to come may be spent in your favor through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. And let us take a moment to remember the victims of Hurricane Florence. In thanksgiving for the first responders who risk their lives every day, in gratitude for those people and animals rescued in this storm, we give you thanks through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated for the anthem.
Please stand. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with thankfully thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Good morning. I'm Buffy Ineson. I'm one of the wardens. I'm here to say thank you to Paul Faker and, and Walter McKinney for our wonderful morning prayer this morning. Um, we're doing morning prayer because Susan and Hope and Bill are all in Jerusalem. They've arrived safely and they are um, beginning their journey and they ask us to please keep, keep them in our prayers. Um, next week, retired Bishop Jim Curry will be here to celebrate Eucharist with us. Uh, I want to offer a big welcome and welcome back to our choir members who are now 46 people strong. Really awesome to see the, uh, <laughs> the area so packed. <laughs> I want to thank everyone um, who helped last Sunday to make the block party a wonderful success. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, please see the bulletin for lots of, of, of announcements 
A couple that I want to point out are the beginning of Choral Evening Song next Sunday. On September 30th, our community breakfast, our ministry fair, and pumpkin patch. Um, please come and, and, and find ways to get involved with the different ministries here at St. John's. Uh, our garden is in need of help on Tuesday mornings. If you can spare a little time to come help pick vegetables and help put them out to hand out to our neighbors, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, finally, our church school gets started next week. There are clipboards in the parish hall and in the um, education wing that you can sign up uh, children for um, and give us the information just so we can figure out which classes everyone's going to be in. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself to us an offering and sacrifice for God.
God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. I have to let you know when people found out I was going to lead morning prayer with Walter, given my history as a Catholic priest, they were afraid I was going to ask for a second collection. <laughs> let us bless the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.